Man, I, I hope that everyone's Christmas found them well. I hope that they are ready to usher in a beautiful New Year. And uh, with that help, uh, I hope these last few days have just found you um, hopefully rested. Maybe maybe uh, the anxiety or the, the a anxiety and the tension of, like, is Christmas going to be perfect? Or is everyone going to get along? Or are they going to like the gifts that I got them? Or... How good am I pretending that I like the gift that I received? I hope all of those tensions are subsiding um, and uh, that we're just ready for a fresh start in 2019. This is actually my favorite time of the year. It, you, it starts like post-Thanksgiving, and I'm not, um, I'm not an anti-Thanksgiving person. I'm pro-Thanksgiving. But as far as just like the consecutive time that I'm talking about, it's really like post-Thanksgiving, leading up into Christmas, and then past Christmas into the New Year's is probably my favorite like month and a half of, of the year for a few reasons. I think one, um, I love walking through Advent. I love teaching Advent. I love uh, just the, the, the intentionality that as a church and just as a society, we, we lend into the birth of our Savior. And then that leads into Christmas and family and, and yes, presents and uh, joyful kids and, and generally happiness, depending on the hour in which we're talking about. And then post-Christmas, so the 26th through New Year's, is this magical time. We're like, days just stretch on. Like, I found myself guilty of this this week. So just so you know, like, Christmas, we, I got off for Christmas, but everything else was just normal work week in reality. But in my mind, it was not. Like, I stayed up late watching Netflix for no reason. My bedtime was, my self-imposed bedtime should have been the same. My wake-up time was absolutely the same. And then my tasks at work were, were identical to any other week. But something about the fact that it's after Christmas, but it's not New Year's, I'm staying up and I'm watching Netflix and I don't care how tired I am and I don't care that like, you know, my job ability may suffer, but I'm just going to binge this season. And it's something, I think I just revert back to, I don't know if y'all do this, I revert back to a school, a school uh, uh, rhythm. And then after Christmas, before you have to go back uh, to college or, or even high school, there's this beautiful week or so where it's just mystical. And that's when we find ourselves today. Um, so I hope we, we enjoy that. I hope we have a few more days because once the new year starts, our resolutions start, work gets back to a rhythm. And there is some beauty in that. Like I really do enjoy the rhythm of life. I enjoy uh, when people and us get back into just our normal structures. But there's, this, there's these few days where it's just beauty. And I want you to binge all you can. I want you to sleep way, uh, I want you to sleep in if that's possible. If not, don't, don't worry about that. Still stay up as late as you possibly can. Um, and, and just live your best version of your life. Uh, I'm a big proponent of New Year's resolutions. I like them. If you know anything about me, I just like resolutions in general. I'm a task-oriented person. I like goals. I like being methodical. I like um, to just plan out uh, tasks and, and accomplish them. And really, uh, the New Year's is a time where, as a society, we all kind of do that. We all kind of view it as a, a time to better ourselves, to look at a time of what we want to accomplish, maybe what we accomplish. Are we going to springboard off 2018 and what we got accomplished? Or are we going to hard pivot in 2019 and say, I want to be a different person. I want to be a better person. I want a New Year, new uh, me scenario where I'm, I'm, I'm going to try to get rid of the things I don't like and build up on the things I I do like. And I think and within reason and within scope, those things are all okay. What we're going to really just camp out on today is as believers in Jesus Christ, where does our motivation for the New Year's pro promises, the optimism that we're filled in right now, uh, where we're thinking, hey, it's January or it's about to be January and there's so much I want to accomplish. There's nothing wrong as long as we are anchored in our faith. 
There's nothing wrong uh, to want to accomplish more things, to better yourself, to better your family, to better your church, to better your walk with Christ. All of those things are beautiful things, and I would say probably spirit-inspired things, as long as we are anchored in our belief and we understand where all of those things have to come from, where all of our, our desires have to be anchored in. So as I was reading um, and trying to like brainstorm, because we don't do a lot of one-off sermons. This is a one-off sermon. This is titled uh, New Year, New You. That's what I've titled it in the top of my paper. But we don't do a lot. We're, we're a thematic people. We, we go from books to themes, uh, thematic studies to back to books, back to Advent, Easter. And we don't do a lot of one-offs. So I was a few weeks ago, I was trying to figure out what... Um, what I wanted to say and what I could express in the next few minutes that would really anchor our decision, anchor our motives, anchor our goals for uh, the next calendar year. And it really came and and set on my soul that I didn't want to put anything out there catchy or new um, because I don't think that's sustainable. I really want us to dive into the foundational truths of our faith, the foundational truths of what we believe, because through that, we can sustain 2019. And outside of that, we are setting ourselves up for failures. I didn't want to reinvent the wheel. So um, as you can probably tell, this is a, a, a very... Uh, intimate crowd is what we call them as pastors, Uh, but it's it's the 30th of December. A lot of church plants our size around Oak Cliff decided this was going to be a chill out, don't come Sundays, but we anchored through because there's a lot of Baptist blood in me and we're just not shutting the doors on Christmas. That's the factual truth. I've only preached on blue carpet in my entire life. I've never preached at a place that wasn't adorned with blue carpet. But um, I read an article today that said today is National Youth Pastor Preach Day. Um, because like the main guy's out, he just he just killed it at Advent or their Christmas series, and today is is the new pastor or, or youth minister um, uh, uh, preach day. So around our our Bible Belt, there are probably a lot of people just bringing really trendy stuff and a lot of pop culture references and a lot of hashtags. And I promised that I will not do that, fam. I will keep it real and I will just try to just anchor us into what I think 2019 should look like. For Trinity Church. So, as, as I was brainstorming what it should look like, what I what, what I think we should we should resign ourselves in. I, I went to a book called New City Catechism, and it's something uh, that we've used as resources before. Yeah, the New City Catechism for Kids is actually used up in Trinity Kids, and uh, the whole book is really about just education on your spiritual formation, educating you on your beliefs. And the book is anchored in a sentence. Um, that was made famous by John Calvin, but it's really going to be our marching order for this sermon, and I hope into 2019. So the hope of 2019, where we're going to derive our passions, our goals, and our deeds, and what what is going to be the theme from which everything else comes, is 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 rooted in in this, and it, it says that we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God, to our Savior Jesus Christ. I'm going to read it again. So all of our ideas, all of our wishes, and all of our plans need to be rooted in the fact that we have to know that we are not our own, but belong body and soul, both in life and death, to God, our Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you would stand with me, we're going to be in Romans 14, 7, and 9. And this is, this is Paul really encapsulating this, or uh, Paul is really expounding on this sentence um, while he is writing in chapter 14. So uh, chapter 14, verses 7, I'm going to take it through 9. I'm going to read out loud. There should be a Bible next to you if you don't have one. 
For none of us lives to himself, and none of us dies to himself. For if we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So then, whether we live or whether we die, we are the Lord's. For to this end, Christ died and lived again, that we might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Amen. You may be seated. Let me pray over us, and we're going to dive in. God, thank you for this year that you granted Trinity Church. Thank you for the opportunity we had as your sons and daughters to grow together, to to mold together, and just to live out our faith together in community. God, I pray that 2018 looks or 2019 looks a lot like 18, and we're just able to come together, worship your name, sing glory to your name, and dive into your word. God, I pray for the next few minutes that we're able just to dive into your holy word, and then we're able to just let the, the sovereignty and the truth of your, your, your glory and your greatness just reign over us. And through that understanding, we can shape our 2019. I pray all this in your name. Amen. All right, so um, how we live in 2019 is going to be directly connected to our understanding of our identity in Christ. I'm going to say it again. How we live in 2019. So how you live uh, is comprised of a lot of things. Paul writes in a, a numer- of numerous letters that he refers to it the manner of our life or how we live. So that could be how you, how you parent, how you work, how you love, how you, how you are a husband or a wife. Everything that encompasses who you are as a person, uh, the manner of your life is, is directly correlated to your understanding of our identity in Christ. So all of, all of what we do and all of that what we plan is, is a comprised uh, part of our manner of our life. But in actuality, that's just half of it because we are going to have goals for 2019 and we're going to try to accomplish them or we may try to continue what we're doing in 2018. I don't know directly how you live your life as far as are you goal-oriented or are you just going to let it go? There's, there's chill and there's a bunch of type A's and I, I love both of you or both kinds of you. Um, but regardless of how you plan on conquering 2019, a lot of 2019 will be made up how you handle what is thrown at you. So we've all been around long enough, and I pray fervently that 2019 treats this group well. I hope that the days find you well. I pray peace and health and growth on this group. But we've all been around the block long enough to know that we're going to have some bad days in 2019. And I'm not trying to be a Debbie Downer. That's just life. And for us to think uh, uh, others uh, in another way is just really setting ourselves up for failure. Uh, God never promised an easy life. He promised a faithful life. He said, uh, if you follow me, uh, your life's not going to be magically easy, easy, but you are loved and, and you serve a God who is faithful. So the manner of your life, the way you live, um, is, is directly correlated to, one, the things you want to accomplish and the things you feel called to do, and also how you're going to handle what is thrown at you. I love uh, John Calvin writes uh, uh, really just uh, a continuation of what we just read from Paul. And it's actually a commentary specifically of those few verses where he breaks it down as far as how do you own the life you live? How do you do, uh, how do you plan the life you're going to live? What are your actions? What are your deeds? What are your desires? How do all of those correlate to the fact that you belong, you've been purchased, and your understanding of your identity in Christ? Calvin writes, if we then are not our own, but the Lord's, it is clear what error we must flee, and whither we must direct all of our acts of our life. We are not our own, let not our own reason, nor our will therefore sway our plans and deeds. We are not our own. Let us therefore 
not set it as our goals to seek what is expedient for us. We are not our own. In so far as we can, let us forget ourselves and all that is ours. Conversely, we are God's. Let us therefore live for Him and die for Him. We are God's. Let His wisdom and will sorry. Let His wisdom and will therefore rule over our actions and deeds. We are God's. Let all the parts of our life accordingly strive toward Him as our only lawful goal. Oh, how much! Has that man profited who is having been taught that he is not his own, has taken away dominion and rule away from the reasons not to yield towards God? For as consulting our own self-interest is pestilence and most effectively leads to our destruction, so the sole haven of our salvation is to be wise in nothing and to will nothing through ourselves other than the will of God alone. So what Calvin is saying there is we are bought with a price. We are not our own. We belong in our life and in our death to Jesus Christ. And that sounds simple enough as a statement. I don't think I, I broke any new ground here uh, preaching uh, this view for you. But it's important that we understand through that understanding everything else flows. Because if you set out to say, hey, I just want to simply do better. I want to be better. I want to be a better version of myself. I want to be a better uh, husband or, or, or wife or, or, or uh, serve team member or just whatever you find yourself, whatever title you find yourself having. If you simply just want to do better but don't understand how you've been called, you're setting yourself up for heartbreak. We have to understand what Christ did for us and what the Spirit is doing through us. And through understanding those beautiful truths, that's where loving, everlasting change actually happens. We were bought with a price. Paul says that in Corinthians numerous times where he goes back to say, you were purchased. We have been absolutely aligned with Christ through salvation. And all we have to do is believe in that truth. And first and foremost, I don't want to overlook that. I don't want to ever uh, forget the fact that I know I preach to uh, a similar crowd every Sunday, but I never want to overlook the fact that you were bought with a price through salvation in Jesus Christ. That you have to trust Christ as your Savior first and foremost. And through that, then you are not your own and bought with a price. I don't want to ever overlook that. But once your salvation is secure, once Christ is your Savior, we have to understand what He did for us to understand what the Spirit can do through us. We were bought, ransomed, and now we are secured. It is completely secure. I think a lot of times... We understand what Christ did for us, but it becomes uh, a hollow whisper in our minds the busier and the busier we get. As, as trials come up, as, as life happens, as, as tragedy or even joy um, is, is thrown into our life, it is easy for us to forget that we are not our own. It's easy for us to forget that we, that we are not about our business or our will, but we're about the Father's business. We're about God's will. When we say solely day or gloria, a lot of times it's just a really catchy phrase, but we've lost the, the finite of this. We've lost the, the foundational truth that is we are all about the glory of God. Paul writes in Romans chapter 8 that there is nothing that can separate us from these truths. You, we, I don't know if 2019 is going to be a beautiful year full of joy and happiness. I pray that to that end. But it could be a, a year of some trials. It could be a year of some tribulations. It could be, it could be a year of, of pain. Um, but the beauty is the truth, and that's what makes it a biblical truth, is whatever 2019 
brings at you, whether it be joy or tribulation, our God is the same God. He is the same God that he was in 18, that he will be in 19. He will be the same loving uh, Savior over you, and the Spirit will still move in you. But the, the thing that we have to cling to is the truth, and what makes it the truth is it's, un, it's unchangeable. It will be the same sustainable fact, the sustainable hope, and the sustainable joy that will, that will propel you through life. It will anchor you. It will sustain you through your life once we understand. Paul writes in Romans 8 that there is nothing that can separate us. He says, is it tribulation? Is it distress? Is it nakedness? Is it famine? Is it danger? Is it sword? By no means can any of those things separate us from the love of God. Can it separate us from the truth of God? And every step we take this year has to be guided by these facts. That we are bought by the atoning blood of Jesus Christ, that we are secured by His death and resurrection, and that, and that there is nothing that can separate it. And through those truths, the Spirit can move through us. And the manner in which we live our life can be shaped by those truths. I know the manner of our lives are a little different. We're all very different people. We serve the same beautiful God, but we are uh, very different people. And we all want real change. I don't think anyone in here, if they were pressed on it and they had to be honest, they would say, man, I really just killed it in 18 and there's nothing I can do to improve. And I'm hoping just to keep that homeostasis and maybe no one will notice. But man, I, I just, I absolutely balled out. Like 19 is only going to be down from here because 18 was so great. I think we understand, uh, and Paul writes a lot about this internal yearning that we understand we were called to do something a little better. We were called to be a little better. And we're going to talk about that in a second. Um, But I want us to hit up on what real change looks like. So a few weeks ago, I taught on love. And uh, I'll be honest with you. I don't blame you because I'm the exact same way. You don't serve, uh, or I don't, we, we, sorry, serve. I don't serve uh, you as a charismatic pastor, right? Like I'm not, I've never done a backflip. We don't have a smoke machine. Um, we don't have, like, I'm not up here just like yelling you down with G-O-D and then y'all come back, you know, we down with G-O-D. Like that's just not who I am. So I don't blame y'all a lot for sometimes this is not a charismatic room. It's a truthful thing. I love y'all. Maybe it's a goal for 2019 that we get a little more like, yeah, but the room came alive uh, a few weeks ago while I was preaching on, on, God, on the advental truth of love. And it had nothing to do with my preaching ability. and everything to do with it. I just kind of opened up, showed you some, uh, some fun facts about Tim that was a little vulnerable. And y'all, for the mo- I don't know if you weren't here, but I expressed that I am an absolutely hopeless romantic that has seen and read every Nicholas Sparks book and movie. And if there was a trivia, um, I would kill it. It would be over. And y'all didn't believe me. And then I went a little further and explained how much I knew. And then the room just came alive. And what I learned at Washita is that's, that's, that's uh, uh, me connecting with the audience. Like, I don't do it a lot. That's more Jamin's thing. I'm more of the, like, be better, be better. And then Jamin comes up here and kills it and talks about joy. And now I'm like, oh, maybe he should be the guy. Um, uh, but uh, so uh, when, when you learn how to preach, they'll tell you like, hey, you got that biblical truth. But if you can't connect to the, the, the room, then you're, you're behind the eight ball. So uh, I pray that I connect every Sunday, but I haven't connect prior or, or after that that I exposed how much of a geek I was. So on that note, we're going to continue that. So there's been a time in my life where I needed real change. I needed sustainable change. It came in... in uh, A time where it was a quasi-New Year's resolution, really just I need to get my stuff together or or my days are going to be numbered. So there's a picture I want us to see. Um, So this is Tim. 
Uh, this is my cousin. This isn't like an ex-girlfriend. I got to ask like twice. Like, well, this is a cousin. So this is me. This is your pastor at 370 pounds. Um, yeah. There it is. So this... Is it funnier or less funny that this guy was reading Nicholas Sparks' books? <laughs> no, let that sink in. It was the same guy at the same time. Makes a little more sense, right? Yeah, yeah. It was a little sadder. So um, at this time, uh, y- y'all know my story, uh, and y'all know my childhood, and a lot of my childhood had uh, uh, unintended consequences other than the actual uh, the, the trauma that the abuse had. It had uh, unintended side effects, and one of the side effects was just uh, insane rapid weight loss and it got to a point where like you can't be 15 and uh, be 370 and you're, you're, you're not going to see 30. So um, uh, for a lot of me this was a really spiritual transformation even though I don't think I understood it fully then but if, if you've walked through a life or a childhood of abuse and you get to be this size and as a, as a detective who deals with kids uh, reaming from abuse I can tell you my story is not unique um, that this, this is one of the side effects of abuse uh, really across the board but when you get to this size and you're, you're dealing with this kind of, of situation uh, the weight really is just chains like it, it's just complete dominating chains. It affects every aspect of your life. It affects everything you do. So I remember thinking, like, I need real and lasting change. I need. I need. I need, I'm called to be better than this. I am. I am. I am a child of God who needs to be a better steward of what God has given him. But I also have to conquer my demons to get there because uh, one is correlated to the other. And as, as I pushed through, and I remember thinking like, hey, I need to actually, okay, I think it was the, it was the winter leading into New Year's of, of my sophomore, or my junior year, when I decided, hey, like, I'm done. Like, uh, I, I cannot live this way, literally, but, then, but emotionally I can't live this way. And I remember, we can, yeah, if I say if it's still on, that'd be really weird. <laughs> um, and it, it became like where I got down on my knees, and I remember thinking like, who am I? Like, what, what am I about? Which is completely where you have to start really in any new undertaking of your faith or any new beginning of your year where you want to, to move forward in the progressive sanctification of who you are as a child of God before you can move forward and go to a, 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 new, a new, more progressively sanctified version of you. You have to take some account of who you are right now. You'll never get somewhere else if you don't know where you came from. And I remember thinking, like, I'm just not happy. Like, I know I'm not a psychologist now, but looking back, like, that's a form of depression. It is, and I remember thinking, like, how, how do I break free from this? And, and some biblical truths that I was not wise enough then to see, but now looking back through just God's uh, prophetic work, you see that really real change in a life like this is really just the Spirit shaping you into the image of God. And that's where I want us to, to really rest in any change you think you need to make or any change that you want to make. Um, in the life of a believer, any, any version of yourself that's different from where it is right now should simply be the Spirit of God shaping you in to the image of God. We all yearn to get better, right? We want to read the Bible more. We want to pray more. We, maybe we want some weight loss. Maybe we want to cuss less. I, I don't know where the Spirit has you right now. I don't know where your yearnings are. I pray that your yearnings are first and foremost biblical and that, that you, 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 you strive to be a better version of yourself for the glory of God. 
But I can tell you um, the, the biblical truth that the Spirit wants to pull you closer to God. The Spirit wants you to look more and more like God every day. And, and all of these things of read the Bible more, pray more, weight loss, all of those things in and of themselves are all good things. But they're just completely a waste of time if we don't fail to recognize the biblical truths of which they govern. If you want to read the Bible more so you're a little less guilty at church, you're going to make it through your Bible reading to about January, and then you're going to like fail off because there's nothing sustainable about you reading the Bible because you just want to stop, feel less guilty. If you read the Bible because you want the Spirit to move through you and progress you and become a, a better father and a better husband and a better church member because you want the Spirit and God's ways to reign over your soul, then I like your odds there. I like your odds of making it through the year because you are reading the Bible with the biblical truths reigning over you and that will sustain you. You're not reading the Bible so you can check an academic box. You're reading the Bible so the Word of God can fill your soul. If you want to pray more because you feel guilty every time I preach about prayer, welcome to the club, um, that, that, but you just want to pray more so you're going to recite a word here or there, you're going to pray in your bed as you fall asleep, and, and you're going to start a new prayer life, I'm telling you right now, that is failure summed up in a box. But if you want to pray more because you want to commune with the creator of the world and the, the loving Savior who died for you and the spirit that will sustain you, and you want to pray more because you understand the biblical truths that, that you've been bought, you've been purchased, and you've been secured by your Savior, then that is a prayer life that will, that will abound. And more Bible reading spurs on more Bible reading. More prayer spurns on more prayer. You will never get in a fruitful prayer full, you'll never get in a fruitful prayer life where you're communing with God and get tired of it and think I don't know that. I don't need this. You're never going to have a time where you read the the fluid word of God that is scripture and and, and uh, spirit breathed truth. You're never going to read and understand that and think eh there's never been a person in this world that has communed with the creator of the world and thought it's not all it's cracked up to be. But if you do any of those tasks separate, separated from the biblical truths of which we are actually created to do them, you are just wasting your time. We must reorient our hearts daily to the truth that we belong to God, that we belong to Christ, and through that we will be better versions of ourselves. It's called progressive sanctification. Yes, you were saved the second you took Christ to be your Savior, the second you believed it. But that was not the end of your story or your walk with Christ. That was the beginning of your walk with Christ. And from that moment, the Spirit has been sanctifying you. Sanctifying just means set apart. He is setting you apart. He is refining and He is molding you into the image of God. And some of that hurts like nothing you've ever felt, but there is so much beauty in it. I can tell you right now that, that growing up, um, the thing that I never really latched onto was reading the Bible. Like, uh, I think some of it was just the, I knew all the stories, or I knew all the stories I thought that were there, so I was like, what's the point? And um, it, it took, it took a, a breaking of me in college of being like, hey, I don't know anything about the things I say are the foundational truths in my life. I'm, the, I'm a pastor's grandson, I'm a pastor's Son, and I don't, I can't, I couldn't talk, I couldn't explain my faith out of a paperback. I could kill it in a Sunday school test. You gave me a Sunday school test, I, I knew, you know what, Daniel, he was in the lion's den. Uh, we, I settled a debate two weeks ago and the, that, that Moses actually uh, uh, was never on the ark. Um, that was a work debate. And they called me a theologian because I was able to settle it, so 
hats off to me. Um, and they even like doubled down. They're like, are you sure? A hundred percent. I was like, I, I hope. I mean, it, it, at that point, you start to question everything. You're like, Moses wasn't on there. And Noah let everybody out? I don't know. But the, the, the fact is, there was a point in my life where I just didn't see the point of reading the Bible. I, I said, know, I know that Christ is king, and I know um, <laughs> that Moses wasn't on the ark. So like, at this point, what, what's, the, what's the desire? And it hit me like a freight train in one of the, the, the harder years and seasons of my life that this Bible isn't here for academic knowledge. It's here to sustain your life. It is here to get you through the hard days and explain the good days. There has never been a time where I didn't dive into this word fully understanding that I need this even if I don't want this. There are so many times when we get busy and, and we get tired that we think, man, I just don't have time for this. And I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone else. But the beauty of, of watching myself time and time fall face flat uh, on brokenness is I understand even when I don't need this, even when I don't want this, I have to dive into His Word. Because it is fruitful. It is, it is breathed out by God. And that means even a dumb kid from East Dallas can read it and, and understand that, that today is, is, is manufactured, sustained, created, and is thriving because of God. And it may not, it may not translate into my best life. It may not translate into today, now I am starting to kill it. Now I am bawling out in 19. 19 may just be a continuation of me understanding that I absolutely have to have God in my life or everything falls apart. 2019 may just be a simple reminder that if I don't commune with my Savior every day, I'm not going to be in the place where God has called me to be. Reading the Bible, diving into God's Holy Word will absolutely spur on you to dive into God's Holy Word. Praying to the Creator of the universe will absolutely spur you on to pray to the Creator of the universe. Because ultimately, the whole goal of progressive sanctification, the whole goal of, of you reading your Bible more, praying, uh, weight loss, whatever you find yourself um, yearning to do in 2019, if, if the goal is not to look more like Christ, then check your goals. But if the goal is to look more like Christ, then everything that you do in 2019 should just come back to the fact that you want some family remembrance. You want, you want, you want that family resemblance where you just say, I want 2019 for me to look more like Christ than I did in 2018. And everything else, and believe it or not, everything else is just going to fall into place. In Luke, Christ tells his, his followers in Luke 9 that they have to pick up their cross and follow Him. And it's absolutely a daily process. There is no goal, whether it be secular or spiritual, that you can set out for yourself and not be willing to grind for it daily. If you want to lose weight, if you want to get stronger, if you want to run faster, if you want to run harder, um, it absolutely has to be a daily grind. And anything outside of that is just you not really wanting it. I, uh, I have, I, I, like I said, I have goals. Uh, I'm not allowed to bring a moleskin out at dinner with my wife anymore because she says I'm too goal-oriented and I need to chill out. Um, but I love goals, and I love talking about goals, and I love my moleskins. So you know what? She knows who she married. Um, 
But I, I've done so. I, I dive into my goals, right? So one of my goals this year is to run a, a certain mileage uh, or certain paced half marathon in December. Um, and I've done nothing but research it right now. Um, and I can tell you right now, it's not looking good. Um, so that's why I haven't told you the number yet. So I'll let you know when I feel like it's a realistic goal. Right now, it's more of a wish. Um, and but I realize what it's going to take, and it's going to take absolute grinding it out. Every day, and even the days you're not doing it, um, it's going to take me days planning for when I do uh, do it. And I think um, a lot of our faith can be brought back to that. The things that we grind on daily, the things that we make time for, the things that we change our schedule for are the things that actually matter. And in 2019, if, if, if you do anything else, I pray that you find what actually matters to you. And if it's not something that makes you more to the image of Christ, I pray that you cut it out of your life. And that if it is something that makes you look more like the image of Christ, I pray that you latch onto it and you never let go. 2019 is going to be great. I'm really excited. I'm really impressed. We're going to do some great things as the church. I want to spend the next three minutes bragging on you, loving on you, and then casting vision for 2019. One, we are a young church plant, right? I say that a lot, mostly because I want us to be realistic. I think a lot of times, uh, church planters, I get the opportunity to rub shoulders with a lot of church planters, and I rub shirt, I, I get to hear a lot of their thoughts and their views, and a lot of them just aren't realistic. Like, we're going to plant a church the first year, and at t- year three, we may have to split to another campus. I don't know if there's going to be room. Um, and I think the reality is, I don't want us to ever over—I don't want us to ever overlook um, wins, and I don't want us to ever overlook the beauty of what God has done through this room. So we are in year three of us planning. We're only in year like year one point two of me even being your pastor. So we are as young as it gets, and a lot of pastors that I'm good friends with, or the son of, the idea that we're a three-year church is laughable, right? Like, that's nothing. Like, Sunday schools, church, Sunday school classrooms come and go in three years. And that's it. So I want us to always be thankful for the sustainment that God has shown us, even in year three. So 2018, we had to fight to stay alive, and we did. We are still at the point right now that, like, we're going to make plans for 2019, but as a young church plant, we're going to have to fight to get there. And I have no doubt now serving with these people in this room for the last three years. So we're absolutely going to grind it out. But we are mistaken if we don't think it's going to still be a grind. It's going to be a beautiful grind. It's going to be what I call the, the most proudest work that I've been blessed with in my adult life has been the pastor of this church and to raise my family in this church and to have best friends in this church. This has been the, the epicenter of my adulthood and the, and the most honored I've ever felt has been standing before you casting vision for where I think God is taking us. God has already said, I want you to be a church. We've talked about this at end. There's no way we make it apart from the sustainment of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit has moved in this room. Jamin uh, knocked some stuff out of the park this year. And one of the things that he knocked out of the park was the fact that our prayers are answered and they have names. Our joy is, is in this room and because we are not afraid to cry ourselves to sleep together. We're not afraid to throw a party and everyone show up and we have the most fun. We can party well. We can cry well. We love God. We dive into His Holy Word and we're going to sing quietly with very little clapping and we're going to work on it. That's who we are as a church. 
And that's a beautiful thing that I, I hope we don't, we don't overlook and we don't take time to pause and say, thank you, God, for the opportunity we get to continue to be a church. Uh, when someone asked me uh, at Christmas, uh, a pastor that I used to, uh, the pastor of my dad's church asked me, how is it like pl- church planning? I said, it's trench warfare. He said, like, what do you mean? You're literally like, it's trench warfare. Like, they teach you in uh, police academy that you can never be afraid to bleed in a street fight. Because that's just what happens. Everybody bleeds. If if you're afraid of that fact, when that fact does happen, it's going to spook you. But the reality is that we, we are grinding out in trench warfare. It's a street fight. We are clawing for every week, and we are continuing to do it. Last week, the 23rd, I would have swore five people showed up. I think everyone in our church showed up with their kids, and I was just blown away about how faithful this group is. So 2018 was a faithful year, and I know because I know you, 2019 will continue to be a faithful year. But we cannot take our foot off the gas. So what's coming up next is we're doing our identity series. I want us to be able to uh, always um, be able to look back at who we are as a church, who we are as Trinity Church. We have three core values that we cling to, and they are love God, love others, make disciples. So next week, we're going to start our identity series. We're going to kick it off with we're going to love God. So we at Trinity Church believe that we are called to love God, love others. Sorry, yeah, love God, love others, and through that, make disciples. And we're going to land there. And I, we're not trying to be catchy or trendy, and we're not trying to give like you things that you can memorize, although you can memorize that. I don't want those trendy for the sake of trendiness. I want those to resonate in your soul and that you can memorize them so when you sit down and break bread, you talk about them. And that's my goal. My goal is for you to never wonder what the identity of yourself or your church is. And that's who we are. And we're going to dive into that next week. So it's going to be a five-week series where we're going to first talk about the three pillars pillars of our core. And then we're going to talk about who we are as a church and who we are as Trinity Church. So who we are as God's global church. God could have done anything while he was on earth. And while he was on earth, he decided to establish the church. And we're going to talk about who we are as the, as the universal church and who we are as the big C church. And then in our fifth week in that series, we're going to talk about who we are as Trinity Church, who we are as the body of believers who said there's about 60 of us. And are, are we on the same page and do we want to go in the same place? And I know we do. And we want to build God's local church in Oak Cliff. And we're going to talk about what that looks like, where we came from and where we're going. And then in complete insanity mode by your staff, um, we're actually going to start walking through the Old Testament. And when I say Old Testament, I mean we're walking through Genesis. We're going to start in Genesis 1 in February. No, late uh, January, uh, February 10th. We're going to start in Genesis. It is not going to be a, uh, uh, an exegetical study, so everyone breathe easy. I know there's 52 chapters, and we didn't get, we took, Mark was 16 chapters, took us two and a half years, so Genesis would be probably by the time God calls me home. Um, <laughs> No, we're going to do a thematic study. My goal and our staff's goal is for you to be able to understand the birth of, of, of the promises of God. So creation, um, the fall, and then the beginning of Genesis leading up to Abraham, and just understanding where the, 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 our faith uh, lies. Because our faith is, is beautifully complex, and, and Mark is a standalone book, and I love that we walk through it, but I promise you, once you understand Genesis, once you understand the fall, once you understand uh, where the Old Testament started off, the New Testament will be so much more beautiful to you, have so much more life and more understanding. So that is our goal. We have some lofty goals, 
So walking through Genesis is going to stretch us as a church. It's going to stretch me as a pastor. I'm, we're going to learn about creationism together. No, I'm joking. I've been studying for a while with fear and anticipation. Um, so I'm really excited about 2019. I really, we had some really good events. We had some really good worship. We had some, some great teaching in, in 2018. And I think we've spurred on um, some of that momentum into 2019. You have a staff that has been praying over you, been planning over you, and that loves you. And I think you're going to see that, and I pray that you feel that in 2019. So as Eric comes up and leads us in our last song, let me pray over us. And I hope that everyone has a beautiful new year. God, thank you for this group of people that is just faithfully, faithfully yours. God, I pray that whatever we try to accomplish and dominate in 2019, we do it understanding that we were bought with a price. We belong to you and that love is secured and can never be taken away. God, I pray that everything we do in 19 moves us closer and closer to the image of God for your glory and for your ways. God, I pray that whatever stand in the way of your people or stand in the way of the growth of your church, I pray that the Spirit would eradicate it. God, I pray that whatever would get in the way of our yearning to be more and more like you, you would, dis- you would just destroy it. God, I love these people. They are, they are the, the epicenter of faith in my life. God, I pray all these things in your name. Amen.